Hello, Erica. Hello, Stephen. I let you start this time. I know we have um, we've done something that few mortal humans have ever dared to do. Oh, shush! And that's watch four episodes of the Censorites in one sitting. We watched <laughs> the first four episodes. We sure did. One, I, one sitting right here on this couch. We wanted to do. You wanted to do six. I did. I'm so a, did you? Well, I know. I always want to just watch. But but all of them. But uh, when I when we were first talking about this, you actually said specifically that watching all six episodes of the Censorites in one sitting was not recommended. I know, but we it was it, I've I've enjoyed watching four episodes of the Censorites. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, I think I've said this before. It's fun um, paying attention to Doctor Who because mm-hmm. I feel I owe it to you to pay attention, mm-hmm. even though I've seen some of them a few times before. I don't necessarily remember this one that well. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I remember beats and everything like that. I remember scenes, but I don't necessarily remember where they happen. So, um, it's been fun paying attention to this one, this, this censor rights, mm-hmm. um, which you seem mildly keen on. I think after mm-hmm. episode one, you said, this is my kind <laughs> of Doctor Who. Uh, yeah, compared to the Aztecs, uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I should point out that I would happily watch the last two episodes if I wasn't starting to feel a little, a little tired. Yep. I mean, not super tired, but enough that two more episodes I might sort of fade in and out, and then by the time we were done, I wouldn't remember it well enough to be able to record a podcast. So. Yeah, Lazy Doctor Who is a late night podcast. It pretty much is. I think we've. I don't think we've ever recorded an episode. Um, before 10 o'clock p.m. Maybe not. I think do we, we ever, I need, maybe on a weekend. Do we ever do that on the weekend? Nope. No, I guess Always not. at the end of the day. We mm-hmm. always finish at the end of the day. Because mm-hmm. we're, you know, there's jobs and life. and Right. And then we watch Doctor Who at the end of the day and then we comment on it. Mm-hmm. And that's this podcast. That's it. Right, right here from the couch because yeah. because there's laundry drying in the podcast studio. That's right. <laughs> like I said, we were doing laundry and we didn't want to start Doctor Who until we did the laundry. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's true. So we could either watch all six episodes of The Sense Rights and have dirty clothes or have clean clothes and watch four episodes. Four, yeah. So we watched Strangers in Space, The Unwilling Warriors, Hidden Danger, and Race Against Death. And because we're sitting on the couch in the living room, I did not remember that I could look up at the TV, yeah. <laughs> which has the menu screen from the DVD still on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool because there's little hidden, you know, there's little screen grabs and everything, and so we can tell which ones are, are which. Uh, mm-hmm. let, let's try and go through this uh, okay. in a little bit of episodic order a little bit. Uh, the, the, I'll do my best to remember what happened in which episode. I'm not always so good at, at that. No, well, well, there's a, the thing about the sense rights is that there's a... You know, there's changes of scenery, and the first two episodes happen exclusively on this spaceship, this thing that the the TARDIS has landed on or in, mm-hmm. that caused such a mystery at the <laughs> end of the Aztecs or inside something, which I find quite neat because the, obviously the TARDIS has never landed inside a spaceship before. I guess not. I mean, or if it has and the doctor and Susan have forgotten, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that they would forget about. So mm-hmm. I have to assume that, uh, that, yeah, it's the first time. And I like that it was Barbara that, that came up with that idea and mm-hmm. figured it out. Um, that was pretty clever. Yeah. How did you like that? Uh, it, it, it's kind of weird. That we, you know, they're sort of trying to solve the mystery of where they've landed. And then all of a sudden they sort of break into like, a mini clip show without the clips mm-hmm. where they just stand around and reminisce about the adventures they, they've had. I, I love that. I mean, yeah. jumping ahead a little bit, I feel like, um, 
on on the memory cheats, Josh is always talking about how he doesn't like uh, kitchen the kitchen sink in Doctor Who. He doesn't <laughs> yeah. like the kitchen sink drama. This is the kitchen sinkiest episode of Doctor Who that doesn't actually involve a kitchen sink. Right. Because there's you get that little bit in the beginning when they're talking about how everybody has changed. They've mm-hmm. all they, you know each person has has grown since they've been traveling together. And oh, hasn't it been nice that we've been together for so long as a team? And then later you get Susan being oh she's grown up Doctor and. Mm-hmm. And they have their first fight, and she's becoming a young woman and trying to go off on her own. And I just think it is delightful. I like kitchen sinks in Doctor Who. I don't think I don't know if he is kitchens is kitchen sinks as much as it was kitchens. Kitchens scenes that take place in kitchens. Yeah, so not not kitchen sink drama. He means Josh meant actual kitchens. He just doesn't like kitchens. That's yeah, no. because usually it just means that it's a little too domestic, as in not like family relationship but actually let's go hang uh, out in somebody's house gotcha because this feels very domestic it's it's domestic in the midst of an adventure it's fun seeing um them all as a team yes and then you know really rather enjoying being a team as well this is this is the first time i mean there have been glimpses and moments before of of you know the team tardis but this is the first time that it's been really drilled home and not just drilled home but it the way that they are interacting with each other also feels more chummy Mm-hmm. Um, than it has uh, so far. Yeah. Well, until Barbara clearly goes on vacation and yeah. <laughs> and disappears. Barbara and Maitland stuck on the ship. Uh huh. All alone. Ooh. Yeah. Hmm. Maitland is unattached because, of course, yes. um, Carol is uh, is with John. Lucky who's... Carol. John's kind of dishy, <laughs> even with even with like the old makeup and the fake gray hair. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Stephen Dartnell, by the way, who a few weeks ago played uh, the leader of the Boards. Really? Yes. <laughs> well, good for him. There you go. There's your little trivia right there. Uh, yeah. I, I I I wouldn't worry too much about Barbara and Maitland because clearly, you know, Barbara and Ian are are extra chummy by this point if right. not if not more and yeah maitland is no there's no contest there <laughs> no. he might well try but uh, oh i'm sure he will because yeah. barbara's a catch yeah a catch and a half if you will yes mm-hmm. um i remember you remarking when uh, when the doctor goes you know it all began as a mild curiosity in a junkyard and now it's become quite a spirit of adventure don't you think and you said that was from this episode that was from the sensor yeah i don't where do i know that line from I, I feel like i've heard it a lot of times it's a famous quote mm-hmm. um i think i've used it a couple times in rfs the actual sound Mm-hmm. clip um if you remember which episode was it the caretaker from last year series right. eight mm-hmm. uh there's a um on the banner on the wall it's like parent teacher interview nights mm-hmm. and it says like the like coal hill school and then the motto of the school a great spirit of adventure that's right okay so yeah so i, I feel like i'd heard it before that but yeah. then heard it referred to multiple times because of that, after mm-hmm. that. And it all comes to the sense rates. Uh, and I won't, no spoilers, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I will tell you to pay attention to some dialogue in the next couple episodes. Okay. Um, regarding More. something else. Quotes ahoy. Quotes ahoy. <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, what did you think of that first episode? Because a lot of people sort of speak highly of the first episode being this very creepy thing and then it sort of ends in this, you know, in this in the dark, this weird creature sort of comes up on on the window. Mm-hmm. I mean, how what did you think of that build up to the to the cliffhanger? I I liked it. I mm-hmm. liked the first episode. I liked the bits in the TARDIS. I like when they're, 
you know, first examining these supposedly dead bodies that suddenly aren't dead bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some unevenness in the writing, uh, as there tends to be in this era of Doctor Who, just like, you know, the, the dude comes to life suddenly and... Uh, and then he said, oh, Carol, put this against her chest. And Barbara says, I'm sorry, she's dead. When this guy just came yeah, back yeah. from the dead. Like, Barbara's smarter than that. So th- those kind of little things, you know, kind of make me roll my eyes. But I can ignore them in the in the face of all the more interesting stuff that's, uh-huh. that's better. You know, so learning about these mysterious mysterious creatures from the sense sphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, that weird creature that floats up then that doesn't actually match uh, what we see. No, it's a lot creepier in episode one than it is in episode two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Did, they, did, did they just have to change it budget reasons? Or you know did what? they forget what it looked no, like? No, I almost think, um, I can't remember if I've <coughs> speculated on this or others have speculated or actually said, but it might have been too frightening, <laughs> perhaps, oh. because... Uh, just because he, you know, the, the way he comes up there, it's very frightening, and that might I don't know. Scary for there children. were a lot of things. There were a lot of things hanging off of it as well. Yeah, it had the hair. The, it was a different one. It's clearly, a different mm-hmm. one. That's that's. It's kind of this. This is Doctor Who's first foray into um, uh, prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Prosthetics alien. This is her first alien race, apart from the on the docks and the thals and the Vord. and the Vord. But you know they're actually mm-hmm. using a prosthetic, so right. sort of you, you know, as opposed to just a, a big giant mask. Yeah. So my thought was that there are so many bits and pieces hanging off of that first one at the right. end. Maybe when they started trying to make up multiple people to have them be in lots of scenes, they realized this is just too much. It's too much to put on. It's it's clunky. They fall off. Who knows? Or I think actually, if you look at it closely, just despite. Despite the plot thread being that all sensor rights look alike, <laughs> seems a bit racist. Uh, um, the one at the end of episode one is matches up the city administrator's mask, oh. whereas the one in episode that comes up in episode two, I think, is uh, either one of the the elders or yeah, the scientist. It looks like the first elder. Yeah. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that was something. Just jumping ahead a little bit all to right. that that plot thread there. Uh, that's one of the things that I remembered hearing about the sensorites is that uh, they all they all look alike, and that being a, th- a silly thing because you know how can a race survive if they can't recognize each other? But that's not the case at all. Pay attention, people, when you're watching Doctor Who. Yeah, they, he specifically goes. They they specifically say that um, that from a distance. You know, how can you tell that the elder is right. the elder? Right, or from behind, even, he says. Well, yeah, she, yeah the, uh, Carol mentions that, but right. uh, the, the bad guy, when he's talking to his uh, his subordinate, he says, mm-hmm. you know, from a distance, how do you tell that the elder? Well, his sash of office. And then he later goes on to explain, yes, well, most people on this planet don't have any connection to the elders. They don't talk to the elders, so they only see them from a distance. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they wouldn't really recognize him in the first place, and really wouldn't recognize him because they only have seen him from far away. So it's not that they can't recognize, like, tell each other apart. It's that from a, it's that if from a distance, they're not necessarily going to know. You know, I probably couldn't tell, like, people that I wasn't familiar with from a distance, nope. tell them apart from a distance if they had the same haircut and stuff, mm-hmm. same clothes. Or outfit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have no problem with that. And I think the people that complain about it, we're not paying close enough attention to Doctor Who. Gosh darn it. Oh, good. Yeah. Spirited defense of the sensorites. Absolutely. 
Yeah, what do you think of um, of William Hartnell in this uh, this episode? I am quite enjoying the Doctor here. Yay! I have finally... I mean, you know, he's still not going to be, like, my favorite Doctor, but... Um, I, I love how how curious he is about things. I love the interaction between him and uh, well, and the rest of the crew mm-hmm. in general. Like the the scene where um, the doctor says somebody says he was right, and then Ian says, "Well, of course you're right." Or that Ian says you're right. The doctor says, "Of course I was right." I can't remember exactly how yeah. it went, but it was just kind of adorable how they were all just like, "Yeah, well, the doctor knows a lot of stuff." <laughs> it's, you know, it's very clear. Like everybody everybody expects him to. To know things and understand things, and uh, there's a line where he says something about, "Oh, there's not a you know bit of curiosity in me." And yeah. everybody just giggles at what? him. What? <laughs> yeah. Which even he, I think, was laughing at himself at that moment because the very next thing he does is put his hand on the shoulder of Maitland and ask another question. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like this is it's actually very cleverly written and performed very well, mm-hmm. and they've they've certainly softened the Doctor up. I mean, in that first scene in the TARDIS when they're talking about how everybody's changed, yeah. they really, really go ahead and show it later in the story with the with the, the doctor's uh, interactions. I mean, he does get pretty upset with, with Susan, but it's because he's worried about her, mm-hmm. like he was in the last story. Yeah. So we're seeing a, a grandfatherly bent. We're seeing the scientist come out. I like that he uh, he wanted to go to work in the lab and is very, very curious um, and, you know, wanting to go... Uh, investigate, looking for the source of the poison in in the aqueduct. Mm-hmm. Um, he just this is this is a much more doctory doctor than we have than we have seen. Yeah, he's also. Uh, I was going to mention this during the Aztecs, but I forgot. Also, I'll mention it here. He's also because Susan is, is sort of becoming more grown up. The doctor is less attached to her because he was always mm-hmm. sort of like you know leading the child along a little bit, and then mm-hmm. Susan was almost a hindrance to his character. But now that he's kind of freed up, you know, he's sort of taking charge a little more, which yes. I, I like. I, I love that he's, uh, that he pilots the, uh, the ship, um, in episode one, um, mm-hmm. to, to steer it away from the sense fear. Um, you know, which is something I've never really seen him do before, like really take, take charge and like sort of command the bridge and everything. I thought that was quite clever. So that's true. That's, you know, the kind of, the kind of thing that you would expect Ian to do as the, the sort of man of action, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really have the knowledge for it. <clears throat> nope. So, so you get, uh, so you get the doctor doing it and he doesn't have, I, I found that scene particularly interesting in comparison to the way the doctor operates these days. Mm-hmm. Um, because now you can pretty much slap the doctor down in any kind of a spaceship and he'll be able to figure it out and, and mostly know what's going on. Whereas here, the first doctor is having to to say you know which is the horizontal control and which is the vertical you know like yeah. all that kind of stuff which is which is fine and it kind of makes sense because mm-hmm. a doctor has not been around the universe nearly as many hundred years as his later nope. incarnations have been so they've probably seen a lot more things and can extrapolate better whereas he's you know he's been traveling for years with Susan he does say you know in all the years that we've been traveling yes. so we know it's been it's been some some decent amount of time mm-hmm. but it doesn't necessarily sound like it's been as long as the later doctors would have had to learn things no they even mention a um a previous unseen episode uh, adventure in this too with henry the eighth with henry, that one with henry the eighth with uh when susan sort of says oh. when they were on that one planet where there's like you know plants and if you step mm-hmm. into between them there's sort of like a noise happen because you're yep. getting in the way of their telepathic field this this supposedly inconsequential story um does so much in establishing mm-hmm. the more expanded universe. It does. In not, Doctor Who. And not just the expanded universe, but the <clears throat> sort of the characters of, of Susan and the Doctor mm-hmm. as as actually well traveled people who have been at this for a while and, and doing their thing. Yeah. So it's neat. 
It is neat. Um, so then they land on the sense sphere. Wait, before the, I, before we get to that, I would yeah. like to talk about the quote unquote chase scene or the <laughs> investigation scene. Okay. Uh, in the uh, in episode two, the unwilling warriors. It was episode two, right? It was right. episode two. Yes. So. Um, First of all, I really liked the fact that, um, okay, so uh, what's his face? Maitland suddenly says, oh, I can, I can sense that the sensorites are on board here, and mm-hmm. he's upset or something. Um, so Ian just says, okay, Barbara, let's go find him. Yeah. So he's just like, let's go, grabs Barbara, and, and off they go. And then they very, very slowly walk through the hallway and open doors. And I can, I, I can see people having complaints about this story because of that scene um, because it does move very slowly, but I did not mind it one bit. It mm-hmm. felt very, very perfectly of its time. I felt like I was watching some like American playhouse from the fifties or something. <laughs> very similar. Um, yeah. It just, it felt like that. And, and I, I enjoy that sort of thing. I like that kind of television. I don't think anybody watching it at the time would have found it too draggy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to, I wasn't there. I wasn't alive then, but I have to assume that that would have kind of fit right in with the way a lot of television worked. So, I mean, you know, from a Doyleist perspective, they, as you mentioned when we were in between episodes, they didn't have a lot of space in the studio they and they had, to, they had to make that work out time-wise. Um, whereas from a Watsonian perspective, they were being very cautious, which I don't blame them. I might move that slowly too, just to make sure not to miss anything. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't trust him. Mm-hmm. They didn't know. Ian, Ian has never really met an alien uh, species like this other than the Daleks, and the Thal's mm-hmm. going to look like him. So, mm-hmm. And they could do, obviously, they could do dangerous things, like take over the minds of people. So they were right to be cautious. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so anyway, then you were going to talk about landing? Uh, yeah, they went to the sense sphere where there's like water fountains everywhere and cool different architecture. And kiddie pools. Kiddie uh, pools. Catching the waters from the fountains. Yep. Um, sense sphere. Uh, do you remember... Planet of the Ude. From yes, I was. I was thinking of that um, only because I had a vague memory uh, when we saw the Ood yep. of people saying, "Oh, the Ood balls are very much like the uh, the little mind con- mind speaking devices mm-hmm. of the sensorites." And I had forgotten about that until we started watching this. And, and, and the look of the sense of the sensorites kind of. Oh, they are kind of Oody. This is what Russell T Davies thought after the fact. He thought they kind of look like the the sensorites. So mm-hmm. he inserted a line in uh, Planet of the Ood. Because they actually go to the the, the Ood Sphere. It's called the Ood Sphere. Uh. <laughs> and they say, oh, it's right near the Sense Sphere. Uh, where I went a few hundred years ago or something like that. Yeah, That's delightful. I didn't remember that, that there was a specific call-out yeah. reference there. But that's nice. I like that. I do, too. Also, in the, very quickly, in the... Um, is it... Oh, I'm getting them mixed up now. Is it Time Heist or is it the God Complex? I think it's Time Heist. Where you can see they have a whole bunch of criminals up there, and there's like Absalom Dog. Yes, and everyone it's time else. heist. And there are a couple sensorites so. on there. So I like that. I like that the sensorites are not just like one race of people that are just all do the same thing. There's mm-hmm. obvious in this <laughs> adventure and in future adventures that there's good and bad eggs, which mm-hmm. is just how real cultures and civilizations are like. That is true. Yeah, yeah. John seems very insistent that there is, you know, good and evil. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not just he's not just a bad guy. He's evil, or at least that's how John. That's how he comes across to John. Right. John's open, open brain, open mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Wow, we've been very enthusiastic about the sensorites. I am friggin' loving the sensorites. Awesome. Um, I don't know if it's because it was talked down or just, I mean, it's, I would not say that my mood tonight is terribly different than my mood was last night. I think that this kind of story just appeals to me a lot more than something like the Aztecs. Space stories. Yeah, yeah. I like space. I like spaceships. Um, I like aliens. Mm-hmm. I like alien planets and, and poison and, you know, Intrigue and suspense. Monsters. And monsters. Mm-hmm. And aqueducts and dark places. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we haven't had a whole lot of that yet, but I'm no. excited to get to more once I'm a little bit more awake and uh, yeah. able to I feel like this has in. probably perked us up enough. It has. Maybe we'll finish it off. watch two episodes, <laughs> but we had to get these thoughts down now. That's true. It's, it's a lot to try to remember um, to, to podcast about four mm-hmm. whole episodes at a time, which is different for us because quite often we'll do just one. Yeah, but seeing the episode titles in front of us actually it mildly is, helped. It is very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like it. Um, and, you know, Ian gets to pretend to be, well, I mean, uh, Ian's not pretending. No. But, uh, you know, Ian gets to, to, to. You're believing the city administrator on this one. <laughs> Suddenly he's, he's got me, yes. Yeah. I, I thought it was really skill, skillfully played by William Russell um, when he just sort of starts talking and he sort of coughs. In the middle of a sentence, I don't know, mm-hmm. bigger part. It's very subtle. Yep. You know, they didn't make a big thing of it. They did make a big thing out of the water for about four minutes before leading yes. up to that. So I had that figured out way yeah. before the doctor and Susan. I was so relieved that they they got to the answer and they figured it out within that scene. Yeah. So I didn't have to watch them puttering around for <laughs> like you know two or three scenes and mm-hmm. then suddenly come to the conclusion. Uh, because you know the doctor at this point is supposed to be a pretty smart and savvy character. So yep. so he figures it out and that uh, that is good. Mm-hmm. Well, there. How's that then? Is that? Uh, I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. Uh, sense rights. They're funny feet. They're scared of the dark and noise. Funny feet. Um, <laughs> the very first shot of them is is one stepping on the other's feet. That's true. And there's a few flood lines throughout these uh, these episodes as well. There are kind of a lot of flood lines yeah. between them and the and the doctor. Uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> what is it? Give give my doctor the congratulations. Yeah, he messes that one up. As if there's a yeah, it's kind of endearing in a way. At some points, I just look at you know when Hartnell goes, oh, get to the end, get you know, stick the landing. That's all I'm hoping is like, can you? There's a couple scenes in there. I'm thinking it was. I think most of that dialogue was just made up. And yep, yeah, I I can see that. And it, I I endearing is not the word I would use. I actually find it kind of tense and, and frustrating and mm-hmm. difficult to watch because. Uh, yeah, I. It also makes me worried for the future because we're still relatively at the beginning of his tenure right. and um from what i understand his his health got worse towards the end so i'm like oh no how many billy fluffs am i in for later eh, on? is uh, it not as bad as i'm hoping honestly scared? i think the whole billy fluff thing has been exaggerated i don't think it's been exaggerated um, well i mean like as it getting worse over the oh, you know okay, okay. um the fact is this was like you know more or less live television you can right. tell at the very beginning one thing we forgot to mention, the uh, the very impressive and very unique shot in Doctor Who history where they actually walk out of the TARDIS set <gasps> yes! straight through onto the spaceship. That was so cool. I yeah. gasped. You I, did. You <laughs> audibly gasped. And yep. then there's a very crude edit because there's a recording break as they move yes. the cast out in front of the police box prop. Mm-hmm. And uh, a line was cut off during the course yep. of the edit because they actually had to physically... 
you know, splice the videotape as you would do film. Yikes. Um, And so you kind of go, oh, I think that's about it. Junk. There you go. That's tough. Which was an expensive thing back then. So, Which actually reminds me of the Sensorite's nifty little uh, cheese grater. Or not cheese grater, (laughs) cheese slicer. I know. I totally wanted some cheese. Yep. Yeah. Can we go get some cheese? I thought about it. Yeah. (laughs) Can't get cheese. We we have a new 24-hour store right across the street. I know, but... (laughs) It would be irresponsible of us to go out and get cheese get to, at 20 after 10. Since when is cheese irresponsible? Come on. <laughs> you're from Wisconsin. You're programmed to say that. Yes, this is true. Uh-huh. This is very true. Okay. All right. I think uh, clearly if we're talking about cheese, we're, yeah. we run out of things to say about the sensor. It's not run out, but... Uh, for now. For now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, then. Um, and so the next one will be um, Kidnap, episode mm-hmm. five of the Sensorites. Judging yeah. by your enthusiasm, I can imagine that we'll probably watch episode six right after it as well. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine just watching one. Yeah. Although I am slightly annoyed at the um, at the, the screen here that I'm looking at with, right. the, uh, with the episode titles. Um, this is a complaint we have about the Babylon 5 discs as well. The chapter titles right. um, can be a little bit spoilery. And I don't mind the... Um, I guess I don't mind the names being spoilery because you see that at the beginning of every Doctor Who episode mm-hmm. at this at this point. Um, and maybe it's over the same thing that we're looking at, but it's got William Hartnell's face right on it, so it makes me think he's going to be the one that's, that's kidnapped. Maybe that's not the case. I don't know. Well, as, as you can tell on the DVD menu, that the titles are taken from the screen grabs Is of it? the recaps. So okay. that that William Hartnell that we're pointing out that you mm-hmm. can't see or do, listener, is mm-hmm. the is just the reprise of the episode four cliffhanger over top the episode five. Okay, all right. Well, then no. I guess I'm not so I don't. Feel You're like not at all so spoiled. spoiled. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we solved something then. Thank you. <laughs> we solved a lot with the sensorites. Yay! Yay, sensorites. <laughs> all right. Bye bye. Bye bye.